strong man when you're young. I ducked a razor, ducked some punches, even ducked a gun. Nintendo duck hunt. I ducked police that had to run. Meanwhile, when you get old, you might become futile. My old style is a rough of my new style. My old girl dope, but I love my new girl. So when I'm slow down this merry-go-round called life, I was a youngster with a fever. Mom's brought cold ice. And in the streets, I had agility, was quick to strike. My fear's not seeing it coming. Got too rich for that sight. So take advantage of your youth before you're elderly, because today is the youngest that you will ever be. <laughs> I was like thinking the whole time, I'm too young for that song. <laughs> Who is that? That's actually Nas. I was okay. All right. Nas, yeah. I don't know he's, any. He's I don't know favorites. any of the new rap. Yeah, man. He's, he's not new. Guy, well, he he's been actually ten years, man. No, <laughs> he's one, older. Than he's that? older. Really? Yeah, he was releasing albums like. I think he has like Rakim, P. Diddy. Really? Yeah, he's like part so of. So he's just been in the background. He's just been in the background. He doesn't release like massive albums because he's got more of a poetic style. Hey. He's not so much about beat. He's more about lyrics. So I just I started listening. Awesome, to him. Mark. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for opening up the show, man. No problem. And, and welcome back to the show. I think it's your third time. Fourth. Fourth time. This is fourth. Holy cow! Because we did man. one with Carlito when we were back at Skylux. Yeah. We did one with uh, Jim. Yeah. And then I think we did an, one here. We did one here, yeah. and now this would be the fourth yeah. one. And, and I'm going to try really hard not to like double back on no, that No, no, no. It's all <laughs> good. If anything, anybody should be going back and listening to it. Exactly. Those. I love the, that. You know what? People are listening to the library. That's awesome. They're going back and listening. That's great. Because I'm seeing downloads happening on these older shows, and I'm like, okay, so obviously they're listening to the first shows, the newest, newest shows. They like them. Yeah. And then they go back and start listening to what else was said. Uh, the image I have in my head, like just talking about double backing, is like um, the big short when the guy's like, We've already talked about this. The house is on fire and I'm selling you insurance on it. It's like, go back into the episodes. This isn't going to, we're going to try really hard not to repeat. This. I know. Let me do a couple of shout outs. I'm wearing uh, Darren's tea. So all temperature. That was a great show. We were talking about insulation there uh, for HVAC systems. Thank you so much for the tea. And then I also want to do another shout out for Kevin Cardi of the Friendly Mason. You know, Kevin, don't you? You follow Yeah, him? I've actually, I've, I've reached out to him a couple times. Yeah, yeah great yeah, yeah. guy. So he was on the show. And uh, so I just want to do a shout out to him and enough respect for the work that he does you can reach him on his ig account at the friendly mason his number or sorry his email is the friendly mason at gmail.com and his website is triple w the friendly mason.com uh and of course find his show on this show on show number 163 thanks kevin uh now mark let's uh what's your deets i don't even have your deets down so craig moore so craig moore construction um we're just the uh, masonry companies, you know, you can Not reach just. out. <laughs> we're, just. We're just the masonry. No, we're, we're, um, we're a masonry company. We've actually, we've been in business over a decade now. It's been 10 years. It's yeah. been over 10 years now. And um, it's crazy to like look back. And I think we're going to just touch base on some of that. So again, a little bit of background on me. Uh, I've got a college diploma in historical restoration. I went through the UMTC. I have my red seal. Um, I've got... Uh, you know, six years union experience behind me and I've actually been in business longer than I've been in the union. So I've, I've actually oh. been an entrepreneur longer than I've actually been an employee right now. How does that feel? It's, it's one of those things that like, the way my dad describes it is it's kind of like when you still look forward and there's still like a big line ahead of you, but then you look back and you're like, oh wow, I've actually moved. Yeah. So, so I'm doing a lot of that and I'm doing a lot of learning, doing a lot of reading. 
Um, I've done a couple posts on that. I think I'm on book number nine for this year right now. Oh, wow. Look at that. Eh? So, and I'm just... You could take that one if you want. I will. I, Honestly, I, I looked at it, it actually. That's actually like, a good book from... Like, Kim is one that's been giving me copies, and I hand them out to guests that come by here. No, I'll, I'll It's I'll actually a great it. book selling to homeowners, and it shows you little tri- tips and tricks and how to communicate with homeowners in their home. Yeah. Because it's a different environment than selling somebody in a retail environment or just as a sales kind of thing. In yeah, their definitely. home is a different environment, right? Yeah, so definitely. That's good, yeah. No, and... Um, yeah, so I've, I've basically, I've done a historical field. I've done some production. Um, a couple, like, just shout-outs on my end. Um, guys that I've been working with, Integ- Mike from Integravel. Yeah. Did some work with him. He's a great contractor to work Super with. Super nice. Um, a guy out in my area called um, Jaybird Exteriors. Uh, he's actually a siding guy. Okay. And he does really awesome work. He does, like, the Sega system. What's his uh, handle? I don't even, um, do Jay, I follow yeah, him? Yeah, Jaybird Renos is where he's at right now, but he's going to be moving to exteriors. Here I am, like, right on the show, and I'm, like, looking him up right now. Jaybird? Yeah. Is Jaybrand? Jaybird. Jaybird? Yeah. Okay. And he does, like, all types of siding, and he's a guy out of Hamilton, and we just seem to jive really well. Exteriors? Yeah. And then... Um, Why is nothing coming up? Like, JB might be where it's where it's at. It's JB, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. So JB, is it just JB or is it dot JB? Look at this. Don't mind us that are listening right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find it. Yeah, eventually. it's Jaybird Exteriors. Okay, I and it says and JB is the is the sort of thing and Ryan, that guy right there. Nothing's coming up when I automatically when I type. Oh, I'll find it later on. Yeah, JB, okay. I'll find it later on. But so, anyways, uh, yeah, and then uh, JB still. So he's focused on Sigma. He does like Sega system okay. and like he does a couple other things. I've, I've worked with him. So he's understanding and he's doing research on yeah. building envelope. Yeah. He's not just being fed what's yeah. ever on the market. He's actually doing his and homework. And I've, I've also seen his work and he's the type of guy that like, if you have a rotten window, he's like, we got to rip this out because I'm not going to just throw my siding over top of it. I'm not going to cap it in aluminum. And me and him have had conversations back and forth. And he's kind of put me onto this thing where it's like, well, if you're not going to do it the way that you want to, he's like, then just don't do it. Don't do it. Just don't do it. So it's it's really hard simple. sometimes. It's simple though. It's simple though. Like when you put it. But in, how do you sell that simplicity to clients? That's that's the that's the trouble, right? It's not a wolf stove. No, it's not granite. It's not. It's not like it's infrastructure. Heads. Yeah, you you have to somehow communicate to them that what you're putting up as a backup is actually going to. I come think forward. clients will start to turn change their tune when they realize that we're gonna have to start keeping our homes generation generation. What's the word? Generational. Yeah. There we go. That word. So because I think that for so far long that homeowners are just like cycled. We're only going to stay here for 10 years and then we're going to sell and move on. But I think people are going to start to realize that we found a decent house. It's good. We can expand it over time. We can grow it with the family um, and keep it. And because it's just going to be too expensive to I, this is me just throwing shit. No, out there, I, I right? don't. I don't think. And you're that's wrong. when they're going to start to realize. Hang on a sec. We open up a window. There's rot. We have to fix it. We have to do it properly because we're going to stay here for our generation, our kids' generation, next generation, and then that's it. So I think it goes deeper than that because again, I I think that you kind of teed me off here, but with the rising interest rates, <laughs> yeah, and you know mortgages and houses becoming expensive, and then uh, like we were talking before, like with renters coming in and now multi-purpose homes becoming like that, that's going to be the next gold mine, by the way, is rental. Oh, I know. Because we've already conditioned a younger generation that they're not going to own a home. So it's kind of like if you're conditioned to not own a home, then you're going to think rent is the next best. That's thing. the only option. Exactly. 
or exactly. you uh i guess there's a lot of stuff going out west and that i've read about mm. where you've got uh multi-level owning ownership so you're getting certain people that own properties and they're getting into their retirement years and all of a sudden they don't want to keep the house but they also don't want to move so then they'll legally separate the units now you've got three units in one dwelling but you're the owner of it and then you sell the other you outright sell the other floors hmm. to other people and that's what's going to start happening too yeah and i don't think that's a great idea either because i don't think so uh, no because actually if you look at hamilton is that what's going that's what happened back when the steel mill shut down that's why there's a lot of like uh houses on barton street or shops on barton street that have apartments on the top two levels so they started doing and that. then what ends up happening is you get you don't get the rent you're supposed to you get lower income rents so then what ends up happening is the area kind of goes down because it's the economic structure isn't there to like uphold like high-end stuff you're not getting like doctors and lawyers renting those what apartments. is going on with hamilton man like you guys have gotten so expensive in the last 10 years like like i know you guys are creating your own queen west like all these little interesting pot i love it i love driving around there and i love the character and i love what's being built but and there's a lot of work for you guys which is yeah. great but the thing is it's like now property i rem like listen back in the late i would say mid 90s i was dating somebody that was in hamilton and i remember her telling me that her parents bought the house for twenty thousand yeah. dollars or there's like a weird inheritance thing where like i think my wife's dad bought his parents home for like sixty thousand it's, it's just like he, he was like going to do some work on it and they were moving out. So then they moved out because they were getting too old to maintain the house. And then he just kind of took it over. And that, that was happening in Hamilton because it didn't have the economic structure. Now it's a completely different ballgame. People are moving from Toronto into Hamilton all the time. Hamilton. Now all of a sudden there's like, there's probably five cranes in the downtown right now. Like it's... it's Who was saying it? I think it was Nick. Nick Foch uh, from the, uh, the Real Estate Podcast. Nick and... Um, I'm sorry, guys. I don't remember names, man. It's bad enough. I remember mm. anything. Um, were they the guys that were restoring that place in Greece? No, 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 no. It's the two guys in Greece. They're great. They're actually yeah. going on and they're doing the concrete now. And I'm loving what they're doing because I'm looking forward to the kitchens coming along. And I'm like, this is great. I love it. Right. No, these are the, the podcasters. They're real estate guys that okay. they do a lot of financial analyzing and things like mm -hmm. that. And he actually did a post and he was talking about right now. There has never been more cranes in Canada. Yes. Yeah, I see that stat. It's like 283 or we something like so that. We have so many cranes in Canada yeah. right now. Yeah, because the thing is, the the engineering is changing where, um, you know, you can, where that parking lot used to be, you have a footing enough to go up. So that's the thing is they only need a certain footprint and then they just drive deeper into the ground. Well, you're seeing structures now starting to cantilever now. So exactly. You're taking the footprint of what you yeah. can get, but then you've got air rights yeah. and you're fighting for air rights now. Yeah, which is crazy. It's, it's great. It's, you know, I don't know. It's good for construction. It's good for, con it's good for certain kinds of construction. But yeah. again, and this is talked about, but we don't have the labor force to support it. And, and, and by the, the big, no, how come nobody's tackling that issue? Okay. So here's, so I framed it in one of our podcasts before, but I, I figured out a better way to frame it this way. So me and my wife, we have two kids. Okay. So if you look at that family dynamic from a demographics point of view, we're just replacing ourselves because yes. it's yes. us two made to, yes. right? So there's no growth. That's zero. That's neutral, right? So in order for you to grow a population, we would need to have three or four. We would need to have more than one. So if you take that sort of concept and apply it to trades, for every one tradesperson coming out, if you're not producing at least two, 
You're, we're not. And we're not. Oh, no, the are we facts are all there. Are we barely getting one? I think we're barely getting one. I think I like I would so actually. Right now like we this. have 1.5 is what I recently looked at a stat. 1.5 million tradespeople in okay. different levels of construction okay. all across this country, right? How many are management? How many are exactly? Like, so there's, there's difference. I don't know specifically boots on the ground versus administrative and also engineering all the other stuff, right? Yeah. But it's 1.5 out yeah. of almost 40 million people in this country. Yeah. Um, and if we're not replacing or we're not growing, then that 1.5 is going to just drop. I think the other thing too is the government's also made uh, mention of this that they're going to import the labor force. Okay, and but importing the labor force is still a seven to ten year. Oh no, I know, but but that's like that's their solution. I still think that we still need to think about training people. We still need to, you know, it's really simple, Mark. Yeah, I've said it so many times. You need to give us small business, not the big boy unions, yep. small business owners, because there's more of us small business construction mm -hmm. owners, you need to give us incentives. You need to give us tax credits. You need to give us a bunch of this money that's being just squandered, in my opinion. Uh, and then we'll we'll work the labor force. Yeah. We'll do our homework to find out. We'll contact schools mm -hmm. and get co-op students. We'll contact OYAP and yep. speak to them. We'll, we'll Basically, we'll look for the pool. Mm -hmm. But they're not doing that. No, they're not. And the, the other thing, too, is I think, like, best way to put it is, like, Union sort of brushes over this in terms of like... I would say P. Well, yeah, but like <laughs> brushes over it in the sense of like if people go into trades, right? Like if they go into a building trade and they automatically go with the union, they're going to get pigeonholed really quickly. Yep. And then it's just going to be like, okay, you're a boarder, you're a taper, you're a mutter, but they're not going to learn how to drywall the thing start to finish. Oh. But if they get with a guy like you... They're going to learn start to finish. With me, for example, I do brick, block, and stone. So it's kind of like one day we're going to be doing brick, one day we're going to be doing block, and one day we're going to be doing stone. But you're so, also educating yourself on building envelope exactly. and construction in general. Exactly. So, and the thing is, because you have the money and the funds to do that. As so well. where's like, why isn't the government listening to us and saying that our pool is a lot more attractive to new people coming into the industry than the union pool? It comes down to union appeasal because the union's, pay into the of funding course, that is and 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 that's and that's that's known like that's something i just think that uh well you've you've unfortunately monty hasn't talked to you he's talked to me and and i don't want to get too deep into you that you actually you, you had a conversation yeah i had a conversation with him and yeah. i was received very well and i still think he's doing really good things but i think that he's the type of guy where it's almost like you need two ministers of labor where you need one guy to deal with the unions and like make sure they're appeased good and point. then somebody underneath him that's learning the legislation that affects the smaller people and one thing i've been i so i read something about uh back in roman times i think it was uh marcus aurelius who did this but the way they used to actually um elect people was it was guys who were involved in the industries they were in so for example there's a crazy oh my concept. god right <laughs> like it's it's a great concept because it's like okay if you want somebody to become the minister of like building you go and you get a builder yeah if you want somebody to be in the environmental you go get a farmer and that's how it used to be like that's how they used to elect I, it i had a conversation with jim carrick one time about that i'm yeah. like why don't you you're at this you've got this wealth of knowledge why mm -hmm. don't you get into politics now and he just looked at me like are you absolutely insane because I think with a politic game, it's like you almost need to engage in it in a lifetime so you understand the little nuances that go with it. And it's like 
But then if all you're doing is learning the politic game, then you're not actually applying any of the knowledge that you have. And you won't, and they will not let so you. So I think that where the best we can hope for is finding somebody that will listen to us and we need to sort of start bridging that gap. I don't know how because here's, so this kind of dives into one of the points that I had. So again, I've been reading a lot about behavior psychology and sort of mapping my own self. But I think that the construction worker is consistently driven into this sort of survivability mentality. Yeah, so right. there is a... There's an actual uh, saying, again, I quote him every once in a while, Jordan Peterson said, where he's like, the best way to boost an economy is to make your impoverished rich. So by doing that, right. they're less of a strain on the economic system. They're less of a strain on the healthcare. They all have jobs. You'll circulate more money into the economy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing, too, is like when you do that, um, you also create a little bit more activism as well. Yep. And so... They most, don't want that though. Exactly. Most activists are actually like rich elitist kids. Like yeah. That's kind of it because they're not worrying about where their next meal is coming from. So it's finding somebody who's kind of in our realm, right? Who knows sort of a couple levers here, like knows people here and there. And then it's us coming to them and then them bridging that gap. Do you feel markets? Right now, in mm. today's climate, especially after the last, you know, three funny years, it's gotten to the extreme. So if you wanted to get a message out there, and it's a positive message, for argument's sake, it's gotten to the extreme of that messaging to get it out there. Yeah. Because I, you feel that nobody's listening to you. So yeah, you almost have you, to scream it and be belligerent and a little bit forward and put yourself out there. So again, it kind of is one of these things where it's like, you have to be willing to take a bullet for your beliefs these days. Yeah, I know. And, and I... There is no middle ground. And I think the only way that you like actually get somebody listening is almost like from a negative extreme, not a positive extreme. But then the other sad thing is anybody who's actually speaking some common sense these days yes. and trying to actually better the construction industry mm -hmm. or try to improve it, try to get the labor force out there. If everything is working out really well and they're sounding great, what happens to them? They get attacked on a personal level. Mm -hmm. So if something that was said or they were associated or whatever they liked or were attributed to something that's not politically correct today, they get attacked on that. Yeah. And then they their voice gets shut down. Yeah. Which is they're like, I'm not going to deal with this. So yeah. there's a lot of people in this country. That and again, are, it, comes, with it, it comes back to that survivability mentality because like with us, it's like I think there's a lot of smart guys in the industry. Yeah. And I think a lot of guys would like to see change. Yeah. But it's kind of like when all I'm doing is trying to make a buck, prices are going up, my my clients are going down, there's a recession coming, interest rates are spiking, people aren't spending, you know, my permits are getting held up on my projects. Um, I don't know if my suppliers are going to hit me with another price increase letter this week where I've already collected deposits. I have a family, I have a wife, like I have all these other factors. How am I supposed to, on top of all that, go and try and go to my MP right. at a city council meeting and try to voice my opinion when there's like a hundred other people and know that that's not going to fall on deaf ears. Yeah, I know. And then, so we're already in this sort of survivability mode. And so now add to that, that when you finally get over the hump, which I think I'm finally getting to now, again, being an entrepreneur and like I can say now people are calling me like I, I was booked I was booked uh, all the way to October. For this year? For this year. Okay. Starting like what? At the end of April. Really? Yeah. So and they I were still, all reaching out to you. Yeah. And I still have people that are calling me. And I'm and now what I've started doing is I'm doing a little bit of direct marketing, like very low-level boots-on-the-ground guerrilla marketing. 
I need to catch maybe 20% of that and I'm in the next year. Really? Yeah. So you've seen the cause and effect of your efforts on that. Yeah. But it's funny how you and I had a conversation on the phone. We're talking about that some brickies have gone the union route, the yes. safer route. Yes. Where it's just stability because they didn't want to worry about trying to build a business. It's a lot harder to try to build your own business. Well, right? let, so some insight that I can give to that. So when I started my business in 2013, um, just to give you like when people are like, oh, you guys are making money hand over fist and that type of thing. There's payroll source deductions. There's WSIB payments. There's, if you don't have it by quarterly, it's monthly. I kind of like monthly. There's monthly HST, GST payments. Yep. Yep. So, you know, and then plus my overhead costs. And then that's not even including things that just I need in order to actually make money, which is materials, labor, like, you know, filling up my truck, <laughs> like these types of things. One of the best things that Aaron said on the Plumbers Podcast mm. When he talked about it, he had 14 employees and he's got to cover, cover $68,000 a month. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, just and a if, part and, of it. And business. one thing too, if you're, a, if you're a small construction business owner right now and you're not doing cost analysis, oh. you need to start doing that like right away. Like it doesn't matter if, you're, if you think you're shooting for the moon on your prices and you're getting jobs, like you need to know where the money is going. I started doing that this year. It's changed the face of my business. Why do you completely. think most are not? Because the majority of construction doesn't. Is it because they don't have the time? They got to juggle personal. They got to juggle professional. Or they don't want to face. Those I think it's fear. They're fear. I that's think it's I, fear. I agree with you. I, I, I totally think, think it's. it's I think it's fear. I think for a really long time they get. Well, guys my age, anyways, you're driven with a fear of numbers. Yeah. Like be scared of the number. Be scared of knowing how you think. Be scared of math, and know that construction is backbreaking work, and you're going to die as young as possible. <laughs> That's, that's literally what we were fed yeah. as kids. Like, that's what I was fed, my generation. Yeah. Now the new generation, like, I think that there, there's a couple of theories I have on this, but one of the ones is um, because they're staying at home longer, they're getting taken care of longer. So because of that, that's causing them not to... But are experience. they saving for that day? Because we go back to the beginning of the show yeah. where it's like they know they're not going to own. Yeah. They're going to be renting. Yeah. So are they just saving for rent? I think, well, I don't think they're saving for rent. I think what they're going to try to do is get a nest egg so that eventually they can retire and maybe they do rent for the rest of their lives. I know that's a scary, scary thought, but it's like the housing crisis, like they're not producing homes fast enough no. with the mass immigration that we are scheduled for. And the thing is too, I'd like to see what the legislation says about immigrants owning a home and if they're going to make it easier for them. Because I know for me, has when there I, been conversation about that? I, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. All I can, all I know is that when I was looking for a house with me and my wife, they actually told um, me, as a self-employed business owner, that I would have been better off working at a Starbucks to get approved. To get approved. So why? Because of the stability of yes, the corporation yes, that you're working for, yes, instead of the yes, their thought process. Yes, yes, really. And the crazy thing is, is. I was living in a condo at the time that was completely underneath my name and I had a mortgage with them as well. And between my condo and my condo fees, if I actually moved into the house that I'm in now, I would actually lower my cost of living. I, I know, I know. And that's the thing that a lot of renters are facing right now too, is that they're spending anywhere from like, let's say they're in Toronto right now and that market is like 2,800 to like 3,500 a month, that's right? That's basically it. What, like... I think that's where the major reform needs to come is it's like if you can show that you can afford $3,500 in rent for three years, five years, 
you should be able to also qualify for a mortgage that equates that or it, even it a percent. It won't happen. I know because it drives the, because they, they, they want all these people. A hundred percent. Because the thing is in cities like Toronto, unfortunately you have to be rich if you want to live there. You do. And, and, and you have to be part of the wealthy. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, and anybody else who's working in the service industry down there and stuff like that, like, like they're going to import a bunch of people and they're all going to move to Toronto and the rents are going to be through the roof and Toronto's going to get rich as a city. So I, like I remember 15, 20 years ago in Toronto when all the little villages were growing up mm -hmm. and you started getting a lot of these younger couples mm -hmm. buying these properties. Yep. They were relatively reasonably priced for, you know, an urban setting. Um, that's not the case today. So no. I still see some of these young people owning these properties, and I can only assume that they made it happen from their two pairs of divorced parents mm -hmm. and whatever income that they gave them. So it was mm -hmm. basically, uh, you know, their their wealth, their retirement wealth was kind of contributing to that mortgage mm -hmm. approval. And right? now they're talking about like living inheritances and stuff like that too. Imagine this, you're working on a construction project and accidentally damage a client's property. Without insurance, you could be held responsible for the repair costs. And what about unforeseen accidents that can happen on a job site? Construction projects come with their fair share of risks. If a third party gets injured, you could be facing medical expenses, legal fees, and even potential settlements. But with construction liability insurance, those expenses are covered, saving you from a significant financial burden. Every construction professional needs a margin of safety and a solid backup plan for when things go wrong. So if you're a general contractor, renovation expert, or a construction professional, don't leave your business vulnerable. Nail down the low-cost construction liability insurance you need and get a certificate of insurance quickly by getting a free quote now by visiting zensurance.com forward slash save 35. Zensurance is Canada's leading source for small business and construction liability insurance. So, but, but people are, okay, so it's funny. People are living longer. So their parents are going to live longer. Yes. And right now, what is it? Like recently we all were told on news 86. that. It's, it's 86. But the thing is you need 1. 1. 1.2, $1. 1.3 million dollars to actually retire comfortably. 1.7. At that age. Yeah. So if you don't have that amount. Yeah. Do you have that amount? I don't have that amount. I don't have that Most amount. Most people don't have that no. amount. So if you don't have that amount, how can you retire comfortably? And then how can you give to your kids money for them to buy that property well we're seeing people like resurge into the workforce too and take cpp like less and there's also like push from the government on these things too because i think it's like if you don't retire directly at 65 if you wait a couple more years you get more of a percentage of a pull yeah so there's like so unlike france we won't protest exactly and we'll just do this yeah and, and we'll just work, work longer we'll just work longer but who wants to be working for the purpose of financial <laughs> well if you if you want to live in Canada and inflation is through the roof and all this, like it's, it's a calculated thing. Like that's what people need to start realizing is it's like, you have two choices. If you're going to live here, you need to kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you need to make more or you're going to not live as comfortable a life. Here's the one thing that I'm hope is not happening, but I mean, I'm sure people will reach out and tell me, I don't think homeowners are bl blaming traits. Because no. we have not been increasing our rates to the level of inflation, to the level of supplies, to the level of everything else. We've been raising them nicely. Yes. 
You know what I mean? And I know that there was a lot of arguments back and forth about, you know, you should just be charging more during those crazy years. And I'm like, you can't because a client will just find someone cheaper to do it. And then you'll be priced out and you won't get the job. But the thing is, if a, if a client were to say, you guys need to lower your price because you're too expensive now, they deserve a punch in their face because there's no trades that are gouging clients no. for the work that they're providing. So this actually kind of is, a, is something I've been playing with. So you know what's worse than inflation? Entrenchment. Yeah. So... It's, it's crazy to think, but like at the beginning of COVID, um, gas was like 89 cents. I just went by it now. It's like a buck 56, buck 59. Two more weeks. It's going up again. Diesel just dropped below gas, right? But I'm looking at, at diesel at a buck 47 going, that's a great price. I know. Maybe I should think about getting a diesel truck. See, the, the anchoring I know. has already occurred. So again, we had the conversation about two by four so many times, you know, it was two bucks, then it went up to seven, then it went to nine. Now it's back down to, I think, six. Is it six now? I think it's six, maybe seven still. still. High in my it's opinion. still, but again, but the thing is we believe, so that's the thing is like, I'm more concerned about where prices are going to stabilize and when they do, what people are going to be able to afford. A lot of people have gotten raises, trades have gotten raises in the unions, um, they've negotiated a bunch of contracts and stuff like that. Local 27, I know the bricklayers got a bump. Drywallers got a bump. I actually had... In line with inflation? Well, I think it's like, I I don't... Who knows? Okay. Because the thing is, inflation's crazy, right? Yeah, I'm and assuming it's, it's not. That's the thing It's probably it. not. It's probably just enough... Historically increased. It's, it's probably just enough so that the guys still show up to work, yep. but it's not enough to curb out certain things which it goes back to that stereotype that you just pay you just enough yeah that you won't look for another job yeah. i know yeah and i think that entrenchment is is real i think that's the scarier thing because now what you have is and how that relates to trades is like first of all if you're going to be paying for anything in the next 10 years right you should know who your contractor is yeah you should have a good relationship with that person yeah and then you should also know what materials they're using. And they should also have knowledge of, for me, it would be mortars, thin sets, different types of stone, how they react with other kinds of stone, flashing, building envelope, et cetera, et cetera. So I think anybody who's in the trades right now, the best thing you can do is educate yourself better than your competition right now. That would be my number one. Because the thing is, prices are going to stabilize across the board and they're all going to be almost the same. You're going to still have expensive guys. You're going to have low-end guys. My concern is with when mass immigration comes in that we're going to have What's a bunch of people do? undercutting they will. The, the industry. Yeah, because They'll need to find work. Yeah, because they're going to need to find work. And I don't think like like working at Tim Hortons or McDonald's is not going to pay their rent in Toronto. So, you know, I that's where I think... It's funny. You said that you do cost analysis, and I think that a lot of guys on the show have said that on a monthly basis, right? No, I do it per job. Per job. Per job. It's even so, better. Yeah, because like I'll look at something and so now because I get a I get a price increase letter probably every month. From suppliers. From suppliers. This is going up. Every this month? Up. Every month. Because we have we deal with like five different suppliers. And if you want to talk about prices like what's their reasoning? Are we still using containers and shipping? And like what's the reason? What what I'm actually finding in my trade is it's really hard to get old runs of brick these days. Meridian just got bought up by Canada Brick. Okay. So now when that happened, I think nobody gave the old brick run manifest over to them. So what they did is they just basically trashed that 
And so now everybody's sitting on the stuff from like the 80s and 90s era, like okay. the Williamsburgs, the CSR, the Heritage Beige, the Grays, that type of stuff. That's almost reclaim prices now. Wow. So I went in to one supplier. I got it. Williamsburg for a buck forty. I went to another supplier. It was up to two ninety five. <laughs> twice the price, past twice More the price. Than twice yeah. the price. And when I and the thing is, if I go to their their buyer and I say, "Hey, what gives?" He'll go, "Well, do you want it or not?" Not even a <laughs> not even a conversation. Yeah, it's not it even a not? conversation. So when people say, "Oh, can you come down a little bit on price?" It's not us. See, but here's the problem that I have <laughs> is that I know for a fact, and I won't say their name, but there is a supplier in Toronto that supplies a, a good chunk of trim. Yeah. They during the pandemic years all decided top level executives attached to this business mm. were retiring. Because they basically, what they predicted was going to happen in about 10 years for them. And they said, now I got my nest egg. I'm totally done. I'm good. Happened in three years. Mm. And they said, I'm done. I'm tapped out. So it's like they were increasing prices so high mm -hmm. that they made so much profit. And that's what that's the bottom line here. That's mm -hmm. what basically happened. It was that there was so much wealth that got moved so quickly in such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And that's why I argue with the suppliers that, you know, that it, do you want it or not mentality? That's not the way you work it. And But that seems to be what people are transferring over to us. And that's the thing is like, how do we... Like, how do you survive? Like, well, how does the message go down to the client though? It's like, so when I come to the client with my pricing, they go, wow, that's expensive. And I go, well, you want it or leave it. I, <laughs> I'd i be out of work in a year. You know, it'd be an interesting <laughs> exercise for you, which I'm, I don't know if you have yet, but why not cost analysis, uh, analyze a job that you did predicting what the price could be next month. So let's say for argument's yeah. sake, diesel right now, buck 49, yeah. right? But what if diesel, and it's not too crazy to think this year could hit two dollars yeah. in ontario yeah it could hit we know that in vancouver is a different story yeah. um but what if it did hit two dollars now you're paying an extra 50 cents for all your travel mm -hmm. time on that job mm -hmm. and then also your your mortars your supplies mm -hmm. all this other stuff and you figure out how much more is it and that's the price that you need to be given to mm -hmm. the client now yeah and then you have to sell yourself on that increased price yeah it's it's tough but the thing is too the only advantage to this right now is because interest rates are going and people aren't moving and they're staying where they are, they'll put more into their house. Yeah. And that's, and honestly, that's where I went. That's where I go back to generation. Yeah. But that's also where I went too, because most of the jobs that I do, like I'll do a face facade here and there, but my winner this year has been chimneys. I've done about seven chimneys so far this year. And I just, I just did an accent, stone accent wall on a house, actually just over here in Fairway Hills. And uh, they have two chimneys they need done too. And I said, oh yeah, I can do that too. They're like, oh, you do that too? And so it just, it's kind of just Are you that guy walking around with the binoculars. And no, 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 no. Well, I can generally spot it from the street and I might just like slip a little business card or maybe a little letter. That's that like, fall. Hey, we're in your neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and that works, but that's me just branding myself and putting myself out there and taking a shot at those types of things. And I think that's what as a trade we really need to do. There's, there's a lot of things that need to happen in the industry. I really do believe that we, as a collective, need to try and get away from this like it's a me versus you oh yeah and it needs to start becoming an us versus them yeah because there's a lot of things happening um with legislation right now there's a lot of things happening like if you just put your ear to the street or look at what's going on it's like if you don't think interest rate increases affect your business like you got your head in the clouds it, it does. does people aren't going to spend as much 
you know, I know guys like, well, I dealt with this last year. I had six months worth of work booked on one guy. And then what happened is one project got delayed because of materials. So there's one month gone. Second project didn't take, okay, whatever. And then the one that we are jumping from our, our project that we are currently on onto the other one, permit didn't come through. Wow. And they'd been waiting a very long time. So what is he doing to react to that? Well, that's the thing is he calls me and he's just like, hey, man, um, I got some bad news. Yeah, what's up? Uh, so you know that job that we said? Yeah, he's like... I, I got to wait for this thing to come in and I can't do it. And and the thing is, I drove by the site. He wasn't lying to me. I drove by the site and there was no work on it wow. because of the permit. And I'm going, and this is something we also talked about was like, how can you charge property tax on a property that doesn't have any water or any electricity running to it? And that's, I think if you actually took that to the top i don't think it had hit but if you actually presented that to a committee like logically that makes sense if there's nobody on site taking power or water parking in the driveway or using any of the streets facilities or amenities i shouldn't have to pay property tax on that because i'm not a burden to the system and maybe if i don't pay property tax on that maybe you and the permit office will move your ass a little bit and actually Give me my permit in two or three months because as soon as you do that, you can start booking revenue on it. Because that's how everybody else works. They're 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 on cruise control. If not, they're on reverse right now. And the other thing too is now I hear that they're actually pushing drawings out to like private firms. So like there's not enough people to read drawings in municipalities. So now they're actually pushing that workload. How about off. educating the people that are reading these drawings a lot better so that they could just read them faster and understand what needs to be done? Well, then because then you need to pay an engineer, engineer wage, and uh, anybody knows who's an engineer that there's more money to be made in the private sector than there is. Yeah, to they're not going to do public. public. Yeah, exactly. And so it's kind of, but we need them. That's the thing is there needs to be more of a connection between us and like we need to work together. So it's clearly understood that the politicians are not paying attention to boots on the ground, mm-hmm. because if they're using sound bites and they're talking about we just need to build 1.5 million homes in the next 10 years, there's no plan attached to that. Well, back to the Roman, like what we said about the Roman things, that the guys actually knew how to swing a hammer. Maybe yeah. they know what that actually equates yeah. to. Yeah, but we go back to the people who know how to swing a hammer don't want to be the politicians because they won't. They, they won't know what to do or how to do, and they'll be told what to do and what to say. Mm-hmm. So then you don't move at that point. Mm-hmm. Can you think of the last politician that actually knew anything that they were supposed to know that actually did what they were supposed to do? Doesn't exist. One, the only thing that I can think of is, and that's only because I, like, I followed him very closely for a while there, but like Monty did do boots on the ground, and he has done a couple things where, like, for example, you can no longer take a a worker's passport away from them. See, that's yeah. a different, and, and, I, and, I saw that, you know, and, and, and I'm like, that's kind of shady and, that there's people even doing that. Well, the, but the thing is, yeah, it is shady. That stuff is happening like that in any industry in, in 2023, but at least he's doing something about it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is like, at least there's action. At least I see him shaking hands with like people actually on the ground. At least he's reaching out to people like me. So I think like maybe just press a little hard, but again, it's, you got to go through, you got to have the time. 
And again, that construction worker mentality, if you're always in survival mode. I, I, my mentality is like, just streamline it. Yep. I, th I think there's just way too much bullshit going on that it's blocking so much, so many great ideas to move forward. That's, uh, that's what it is. I think that anybody who's trying to figure out, like when I recently, and I've mentioned this several times, OYAP, an extra $27 million next mm -hmm. year. $77 million for OYAP. They're, they're covering their investment on that one because the thing is they need to somehow, because OYAP encompasses a bunch of other stuff too, right? Yeah. Like with tool and die and stuff like that. So if you just put like another six, seven billion into the automaking industry, well, you better make sure that you're also operating the apprentice, like you're yeah. endorsing the apprentice stuff yeah. at, at the same a one time. one-to-one ratio? No, not a chance. Like because that, that should be gone. Well, the thing is too, guys who get into these programs, like I remember when I started first year of my OMTC, um, like three, four guys dropped out. We only had 20 guys in the class. So we went from 20 to 17. Why do you think they dropped? Well, they were just like, I can't just survive. They had other responsibilities. They had survivability. They had other responsibilities. I can't live on EI. I, you know, or they didn't put enough money away. Or maybe their employer, this is a big one too. Maybe their employer screwed them on the hours. So yeah, then- It's funny, they, Mark. Like, yeah. it's just, you know what's funny is that the, our government- has made it easier for people to live off the system yep. than to live off themselves. Yep. And and you have to get rid of that. Yeah, you do. Because the thing is if you but the thing is if you make people complacent on the system, then you can control it a oh, lot I know. easier. I know. And and try to argue with me, but the thing is when you do that but you want to work. You're a tradesperson. Yeah. You want to work. Yeah. You get the satisfaction of building a business, building yeah. a brand, and building. Yeah. You get that satisfaction. Yeah. So you look forward, and like all tradespeople, mm -hmm. they look forward to going to work. Yeah. The moment that they stop looking forward to it is when you actually stop their growth. Yes. But some some people aren't cut out for entrepreneurship. That's no, not everybody. And, and I have nothing against the union guys yeah. who do a good job and they come yeah. in, they punch their clock and they have that set amount of work and scope. And I, I've got nothing against them. I've and got who else is going to do it at the same time? Like the other thing too is like, I personally am not going to take on 50 homes. No. I want them to do but that But there's work. companies that will want to do that. Yeah. Well, what I start getting upset about is that they do it and they cut corners to meet their margin. So then the upper... I, the above the line and the below the line. Contractors, tradespeople have always been below the line. Mm -hmm. And I just, when I start seeing salaries of certain above the line executives that are attached to projects, they're astronomical. Mm -hmm. Like they're making too much money for the people that are making all the work. Like they're doing all the work on the bottom, mm -hmm. but they're the ones that are making the deal. And I know that lots of people on the show, including like Josh from Best Damn Roofers, talking about just simple message about unite the construction industry. It's 100%. If you unite the construction industry, then we have a louder voice. But the thing is, you're up against the union bodies. Yeah. And they, you know, I was recently told about an idea that was pitched and, all, and I started saying, sure, but what's going to happen to the union side of this idea? Because what happened is the union will start to threaten the union members saying that if you do this, you will be fined. If you're not fined, then your company that you work for will be fined. Then the builder will be fined. And then all of a sudden you're not going to get any money. I don't think that would be the case. And the reason why I say that is because everyone right now that I talk to is dying for workers. Really? Yes. Like it's a mixed bag for me this year in the last few yeah. months because I get reached out a lot yeah. and, and they're like, oh, what are you hearing? What's, what's going on? And I go, it's a mixed bag this year. Man. Yeah. For, for this guys are busy. Some guys are dead. Some guys are home. Some guys are working. I think it depends on like what you want to do and what you want to take on scope wise. And I think like, I think the guys that if you want to get onto a union crew right now, I think like now is the time to do it. I think everybody's hurting for guys. Like the joke is literally you could show up smoking meth 
in your car oh, they'll take and, you. and they'll take you. You know what I mean? Uh, I know a guy who was laying bricks with a, I heard of a guy laying bricks with a margin trowel. <laughs> like, like, oh, I'm a bricklayer. He shows up with a margin trowel on site and they're just like, this guy's shit. And he's just like, oh, but like, let him finish the day. He, like, we're not really paying him. Like, just, just, and it's like, but we're going to have to take down everything. And it's like, th- that's where we are. That's what they're accepting. That's where we are. And, you know, for me, I've always, like, I've either done the work myself or I've had, like, helpers here and there kind of deal. Um, And the thing is, like, I I told myself I wasn't going to expand. I've had a guy now working and helping me out, and I can tell you it's it's awesome. Okay. Like, it's really helped my body a lot, and I can focus more on the actual work that I'm doing. So you can find guys. You know, but it takes time. But it takes time. And I mean, okay, so you got 10 years of Craig Moore. Yeah. What are you looking at for the next 10 years? How so, are you seeing the next 10 years? So the next 10 years, I'm still probably, I'm hoping to still be on the tools. Realistically, yeah. I am. Uh, because You're I young, again, man. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like 10, I'll be 45. Yeah. Um, I think the doors are going to continue to just open for me because um, like, for me, a lot of the guys I look up to, like JB Stonework, uh, Mike from Greenstone. Yeah. Uh, there's another guy, uh, Finbar Masonry, who, like, these guys have taken masonry to, like, artistry levels. And I aspire to be one of them one day. That's kind of, like, where my, my goal is. Um, but all those guys are over 40, 45-ish. And it's, like, in another 10, they're going to be, like, 50, 55-ish. And it's, like... I want to learn as much as I possibly can from those guys because I feel like they're changing the industry and they're also doing really, really amazing projects that I, I really want my hands on. Have you on. thought about your exit? Have you thought about yep. handing down Craig Moore to somewhere? Somewhere? I don't know if I'll necessarily get to a point where I can hand it down um, because I think the style in which I do my work, it'll be very hard to duplicate that. And that's the thing about masonry is... A lot of people don't talk about everybody has a certain style in which they do things. So it's like, yeah, you can take the company and maybe my book of clients and something like that. But a lot of the guys that I'm actually working with these days are my age. So like Mike's Mike Campbell's not that much older than me. So they'll Uh, be in a similar boat. Yeah, exactly. So we'll all be in the same boat. So unless we find our prodigies and like bring them up with us and then sort of like roll the company over into them, I don't see us continuing like past that i don't want to be like an ls don or like a big pcl or something like that i kind of want to just continue to do this niche but again talk to me in like three years because i also had because i also had fully convinced myself that i wasn't going to grow this year and i was just going to do all the work myself and now all of a sudden let's look at banks in three years there's a lot of threats about everyone's mortgages they're all being called in three years and you know if you got locked in as a variable yeah you're gonna get called and there's there's a threat of a, a massive historical percentage of mortgages just being defaulted yes and so actually what's that gonna do so this issue actually happened 10 years ago when me and my wife were going for a house so it was the way that the banks had their mortgage structure like we were talking again off mic about how um me as an entrepreneur and her as somebody who's a salaried employee because i was self-employed and they hadn't really changed the way that um they structured their mortgage. Um, I was better off being employed by a Starbucks or a McDonald's, which was absolutely ridiculous. And so when we went, we had we were 
uh, buying a house when those crazy bidding wars were happening and yeah. we were moving in Hamilton. So we saw houses that were listed for 199 going for 400,000. Like that was the, the uh, we actually used to go up to open houses and they'd have a note in the door saying this has already been sold. Wow. Like it, it's listed for 300 and they're like, we've already sold it like double and a half. So unless you're, like, like, unless you're offering more, like, and the thing is like everybody looking at that house, there was, there's no way. So we got, we got, we finally got a house after seeing like, I think 75 houses or something like that. But here's, but here's where the advantage was for me. So when we moved into the house, I lowered my cost of living, kept my debt to service ratio super low. I think anybody who's buying a house or looking to buy a house, I think those are like the number one things like yep. be house poor, get your debts down. Like that's, that's the number thing because owning your property nobody wants you to own your property outright. If you own your property outright, there's so many things you can do with it. You can leverage it and other stuff. There's, they there's, don't make there's money. Ton yeah. They don't the make money. Don't make money. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of, unfortunately that's the situation we're in. So, but here's where it gets good. So now we refinanced when we refinanced, it was in COVID. Okay. We got a stupid low rate. Okay. Very thankful for that. I'm very grateful for my life. I'm very thankful for that. The people who qualified for a mortgage higher than ours, okay. right? The McDonald's and Starbucks duo, let's say, right? They also refinanced at that time. Okay. Their house also got appraised higher, just like ours got appraised higher. Yeah. Now you can't tell me that they magically changed their spending habits. They didn't. There, there's no way. No. So now what happens is, whereas my mortgage is consistently getting paid down, the Starbucks couple is going more and more into debt and then their wages haven't caught up to nope. the inflation numbers. So they're the ones that have probably incurred credit card debt, gone on second mortgages, done home lines, all this type of stuff. So when they get called, because again, this is the timeline, right? 25, 26, and 27, yeah. they're going to they're gonna lose their houses for honestly, like probably like 20 to 50 grand. Because they're gonna, because the bank is gonna come in and they're gonna say, "You owe us this because your appraisal is dropped." Yeah, and this is what's happened. And the crazy thing is, is we were actually coached when we went and got refinanced by the bank. They said we can give you this number for your house right now, and I said I don't want that. And they said, they said, but we don't even need an underwriter to appraise it at this value. And I said I don't want that because what if the market tanks and gets hit twenty yeah. percent? I don't want you to call my loan. Yeah, and they said. Fair enough. And I was like, so that's me with my finance, my limited construction financial knowledge being conservative, right? What about the people that aren't like that? Who they're actually gonna, took the money? They're going to lose. They're going to lose it. Exactly. So I think that in three years, that's going to be the time to buy a house. I think in two years, you're going to see um, a decline on the um, custom building because yep. what what's going to happen is land is going to be too expensive to buy or finance. And then you're going to see a lot of people stay put. So I think, yeah. Smaller I, rentals. Smaller yeah, rentals. And, and obviously that's going to affect construction. Yeah, that is. Because you're going to see small mom and pop shops. They're going to move into the union, into the big sites because they're going to need to keep their guys fed or they're going to start losing their guys here and there. I think also permits do also play in, uh, play huge into you being able to keep guys too. Because if I had a crew of like, let's say, four guys going for me last year and all of a sudden two of the permits don't go through and then one job falls through. Now I got to go hunt for work. 
And then when I say to say to my guys in the middle of summer, hey, listen, there's no work today. See, that's why you were saying, and I agree with you about yeah. the union side, because I don't see this necessarily affecting high-rise pre-con. Nope. That's going to keep on going. Yeah, that's going to keep on trucking because... You've got deals already in place. Yep. The cranes are already on the ground. Contracts are already signed. It's going. Yeah. So they need to get that structure yep. finished. That means they need all the workers to finish it. I do not hate anybody for taking a stable job. No, not at all. Not at all. No. You got to survive. You got to do what you got to do for your family. And I think... But I think, unfortunately... We've been fed the narrative, whereas like unions also like are greedy and take all this stuff, and it's kind of like, yeah, but at the same time they provide a lot of well, jobs. Why not and stability. do that for five years? Have that stability, build that nest egg, live within your means, save money, and then if you still have a passion in you that you actually want to start being a custom person, then take all that skill and money and, and and thought that you had, and go on your own. Because by then you're also looking at like five years of like pension contributions. You also so you got to balance. That yeah, and that and and you gotta you gotta be thinking about like whether or not you gotta take the risk. And I've got like four key points of like entrepreneurship that I'll like share with you yeah. that like guys like just things that I've learned. Like this isn't like the magic pill. This isn't the silver bullet. But like you also got to be very mentally resilient in this game. Yeah. Like I'm talking like the bill get comes in. No money in the bank, and it's like Christmas Day. <laughs> that is probably a very common scenario amongst yeah. construction guys. Or what's even worse is like the client didn't pay you what you were owed. Like how many people like this is this is one of the things I play with too. Is like so let's say you work a nine to five, you're guaranteed a certain amount of money, mm -hmm. right? So it's payday, right? Friday, you get called into the office by your boss. You were you walk in. And, and they go, hey, you know, shut the door. And you're going, okay. They go, so we were looking at your production this week. They're like, okay. You're like, and like, your production was pretty good. Okay. And you finished all the jobs that we, were, we asked you to do. Okay, great. Your paycheck's going to be 600 bucks less. <laughs> Why? Why? Well, you know, just because we think that you could do better. Or like... Or think times are tight or, you know, just are how above the line yeah. needs to be fed more than the below. The yeah. Line. Or, or like, like how many people would accept that? Nobody. Nobody. So when I'm a trades guy and I finish a job and you come to me and you're like, you know, I got to meet my budget ends. Da, 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 da. Oh, you know, like we think this is only worth about X. Yeah. Why, why is that even a conversation? Why, why are we, you know why? That? Because they're cost analyzing their bottom line. Then have that transparent conversation. No, 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 they can't. They're going to put you in a corner. So when It's going to be like your supplier. You either take it or you don't. So when I was reading Seven Highly Effective Habits of... Uh, Steven. Of yeah. Yeah, Kofi. Yeah. He was like, the best type of negotiation is a transparent one. Hey, general contractors, renovation experts, and construction professionals, protecting your business should be a top priority. Your clients require you to have liability insurance as a condition of the contracts you sign. By having construction liability insurance, you not only fulfill those requirements, but also demonstrate professionalism, reliability, and a commitment to your client's protection. It's a win-win situation for your business. Construction liability insurance is vital to protect you from risks and liabilities that come with your line of work. It provides essential coverage for property damage, coverage for third-party damage, or bodily injury and other incidents that may occur during construction or renovation projects. Visit zensurance.com forward slash save35 for a free construction liability insurance quote and get the comprehensive protection you need.
at the very beginning, when you sit down at the table, you come to them with a price and they tell you whether or not it works and have a conversation of why that works or why it doesn't. Yeah. And I coach my clients like that. I say, I'm going to give you, like, I don't do driveway pricing anymore. Oh, you know, like I need this done. Like, give me a price. Give no, me a ballpark. No, figure it I out. go, I go, I got to get back to my office. We'll, we'll do the notes and I'll sit down and I'll actually say, okay, this is, I'll send them a text. I won't even write the quote yet. I'll send them a text. I'll be like, you're looking between this and this. If that's in your ballpark and within your budget, let me know. Yeah. And then we can go forward and I'll send you a formal quote. Yeah. As soon as you get the formal quote, I'll take the deposit. What's the ratio of clients that are agreeing to go down that path? Oh, like I'd say I got like a 90% close on that. Okay, yeah. All right. Because the thing is I'm being transparent with them yes. at the, at the beginning. And then that's another thing. A lot of guys get bogged down in like cost analysis and quotes and all this type of stuff. And they're like, Oh, I spent like two hours last night on that quote and he didn't go for it. I'm like, well, did you have an idea of the number? Yeah. So why don't you text that to him first, first before you write it all out? A small little bet. Yeah, exactly. And just be like, Hey, cause it, it blows my mind when people aren't doing that. Because I'm like, you need to feel them out as much as they're feel, feeling you Do you, you think out. the tradespeople are getting cocky thinking, ah, I got lots of work coming in. I'll just throw this. I think that happens to anybody. Okay. I think I think you get like into this sort of like bias thing. Yeah. And then you end up just basically saying to yourself like, oh, you know, yeah, I got lots of work coming in. My prices are going up. And that's like, that does happen too. It's like when you're busy, your prices do go up. When you're slow, your prices go down a little bit. It's just how it works. It's a sliding scale. When gas is like in the summer, when it's summer gas, yeah. prices go up. When it's winter gas, prices go up. Magic, <laughs> it's magic the way the price goes up. Yeah. And then so number one would be like mentally resilient entrepreneurship. Like when we're talking about people making that jump. The other one would be like the ability to actually like look at yourself critically and ask yourself like, am I the problem? And by the way, you are, <laughs> you are a hundred percent. Most of the time you are. And it's like, and that's the thing is like, I don't think a lot of people like, yeah, you're really good at your skills, but I don't think a lot of people can look at a situation. Like you can't blame a brick. I, the guy, the guy that I have helped that I've had helping with me a couple of times, he's like, he tries to blame like the tool or the brick or the mortar. And I'm just like, you can't do that. Cause that has no emotion, but but, no, what, he's doing, no, but what he's doing, but what he's doing is what I think like 90% of people do. Yeah. He's not like, he's not doing it. Like I don't do it. So because I don't do it, I think it's odd, but him doing it, it seems like it's like base level. Um, and then hundred percent agree with you. man. Yeah. Honestly. And also being able to see the opportunity in like every bad and crushing scenario. If you can't like, have the weight of the world. And by the way, there is an opportunity. Yes. There always you is. You just have to find it. Exactly. If if cash flow is an issue, market more. Like guerrilla market. It literally takes you two seconds to write up a letter, sheet of paper, outlining a service that you can provide, and sticking it in someone's door. It's cents on the dollar. I like remember Jason from Property Max, and he was doing a post, and he just said, listen, I just started walking down the streets. I went to different neighborhoods, started walking on the streets, started knocking on the door, introducing myself, and offered my services. Yeah. And he was like, let me just try this out. And you don't know. Maybe one out of every 20 knocks got him a lead. Yeah. But if he didn't do that, yeah, just try it. Yeah. And so, but you got to be able to, like, like if a client is not treating you the way you want to be treated, it's like, find out why. 
ask hard questions, have hard conversations. Get yeah. yeah, get get all that going. And then um, another thing too, like one of the last four, or the last one would be have an oper- like an optimistic and very positive outlook on life. You can't be like a pessimist in this and think no. everyone's out to get you. No. You have to think like people are inherently good. They're just stupid. That's the way, that's what I say. I say most people are inherently good. They're just stupid. They're not evil. They're just stupid. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of it. And then bonuses are like, if you have financial backing or like a support system. So financial backing, well, like networking, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's just, I know a lot of people reached out to me asking to do some more networking events or try mm-hmm. to get, and a lot of boys up in the Barrie in North Toronto area, they want to do that. And I'm sure that there's more interest to do that. Why? Because we want to rub elbows with other people yeah. to have conversations that we've had with ourselves, but we haven't gotten answers yet. Yeah. So we we're hoping that we'll have that conversation with somebody else that's in the industry and they may have come up with a solution. Yeah. Yeah. So... Those would be those would be sort of like my four to six key. You're points. constantly juggling, like you're trying to. You go to the job site. You're still laying bricks, but you're still constantly juggling, juggling how to improve this. Yeah, because you have to be. Yeah, you can't just be blinders. Go to the job, punch the clock, and do the job, and that's it. You have to think about. I wish it was that easy. How to improve it? The stuff that generally kills a lot of people in this industry is the background noise. Yeah. Most guys are very good at actually do being a technician. E-Myth t- talks about this. Yeah. Everybody's really good at being a technician or they're really good at being a delegator or manager. The delegators and managers I find in this industry uh, do really well as long as they have the technicians. Yes. But it's very seldomly that those two connect. So guys become like management companies and then they don't have the, the squad or the crew to like execute the jobs. So yep. then they just kind of disappear. Or you have... But they the, give up too soon. Well, yeah. But I mean, you also have to like, again, you have to be in this for the long game. You got to be very You're resilient. dealing with a hyperactive younger trades generation that wants to get to your position, not in 10 years. Oh my they God. They want to get it into three years. So like, that's the thing too, is like this stuff takes time. It, it's literally taken me 11 years to get to a point where I can confidently say that like the people that we work with seek us out. Whereas like, if you ever go on Instagram, you think that all these guys just get these jobs like... It's bullshit. Yeah. So How long does it take you to make bolognese sauce? <laughs> you could cook it and eat it in less than an hour if you wanted yeah. to. But if you really want to taste it, you let it slow cook for exactly. hours and hours and hours, right? Yeah. So it's just, I, I, I wish that the younger generation, they, they have advantages other ways. Mm-hmm. Let them use those advantages and get there, right? But the thing is, there's certain things that have to just take time. Yeah. And just appreciate that time-taking situation. Exactly. You know, they, they want things right now. It was put to me, like, by a guy, Jeff Buhagar. Um, he, lives in, he lived in, like, a really, really nice house, n- nice area in Mississauga. And he's, like, he, he said the same thing. He was, like, you know what the problem is with your generation, Mark? I was, like, what? He's, like, you want what I have, like, at 20. But isn't that every generation? I think it's things to aspire to. But I, I think in order to actually attain it, there's a couple of things that I think of. So do you know about the, um, the pet elephant experiment? No. Okay. So when you're a kid, you would wish for a pet elephant okay. because you think elephants are cool. Okay. But the problem is you as a child don't know what it eats, where to keep it, or anything like that. So even though kids are going, I really want the mansion, 
I really want the fast car. I want the business that nets me out at 10K. If someone actually handed that to you, you probably wouldn't be able to run it. Manage it. You wouldn't be able to manage it. And that's something else too. Another guy mentioned, I forget who it was, but he, he read a saying and it was, don't wish for what someone else, is, someone else has because you don't know what they had to do to get it. Michael Jordan said it well. When yeah. he talked about how his deal was the first deal that he had to earn. Mm-hmm. So even though that he presented that deal about percentage of all the shoes associated with his name, which was unprecedented at the time, he had to earn that. But nowadays, every star automatically gets that deal. It falls, and they haven't done anything. It falls into the precedent of early success is a bad teacher. Yes. And that's, that's what I think should honestly be like written on some people's walls is because what has allowed me to maintain the life that I currently have, it took work. It took sleepless nights. It took anxiety. It took a lot of things. Like these are the things that your guru entrepreneur isn't talking about. They're not talking about the $0 in the bank account and the people repoing their cars. They're talking about, you know, Oh, if you want to make 10 grand a week, sign up for my course. But in order to gain that knowledge to be able to deliver a course that gives you that amount he had to go through the trials and tribulations if you could go back in time and do it again yeah would you just better manage yourself if i could go back in time and do and, my and, uh, and basically say i'm saying and avoid the negative pitfalls no because no. you want those. No, right? because the thing is you grow in the negative. Yes. That's, that's what and that's at. the thing is yeah. like people people don't realize. Again, it's being able to see that opportunity in every bad situation. Plus the opportunities that grow from that bad situation. Exactly. If you didn't go through that bad situation, you may not have come across an opportunity. The reason why we have such the reason why I've structured my business around this deposit structure is because I've been fucked over for money in the past. Yeah. So now when I come to them and they're like, oh, like it used to be like, I don't mind telling you this. It used to be uh, 20, 30% up front. Yeah. That used to be able to cover my materials. Now I'm up to 50% up front. But you were on a good faith. Yes. Now I do 50% up front, which by the way, still almost covers my materials. See, that's scary. And that's scary. You have to consider possibly more. Exactly. So the thing is, but at 50%, now they're invested I'm invested. The skin in the game is there. And worst comes to worst, I'll just have to pay out a little bit of labor. You know, I want to bring up a scenario uh, kind of on track, off track. I was actually having a conversation with Matt from uh, M&J, Matt and James there from M&J Electric, how he was getting uh, a little frustrated that he, in my eyes, was buying a lot from a supplier, but it wasn't enough to put him at a certain level with the supplier. So he was noticing that other people that were buying just more, a little bit more than he was buying, annually speaking, they were treating those companies a lot better than they were treating him. Regarding just customer service and also price point, because I've always had this argument, and it was great that it was brought up on the Plumbers podcast, that um, pricing for tradespeople, professionals, is not dramatically that much lower than Joe Schmo walking off the street and walking in and buy it. 
So your I, suppliers are treating everybody exactly almost the same. My suppliers, like masonry, it's always been this way. People think, oh, you're making like 20, 30 points on the... No, fucking not. But the supplier should be treating everybody equally. You can't... So if you, whatever, let's say you buy a million dollars or you, you're buying $600,000 worth of material on an annual basis with a supplier. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they just treat you okay. Yeah. You don't get great pricing. You get okay pricing. Yeah. You, your client can walk in and almost get the same price. Yeah. Now you have another, your competitor or somebody else comes in and they're spending a million dollars in that year. Now that competition of yours, that business is being flown out, golf events, better pricing, all this other crap. But here's the other, here's the caveat. Here's the, here's the really interesting thing. You're paying more. No, you're paying your bills on a monthly. So when the bill comes in, you pay yeah. full. The other jokers who are actually spending more money are rolling it over every month. Mm. So they're not paying full. And they treat that company better than they treat you. And I disagree with that. It's kind of like when rich people get perks. A hundred percent. Like you get cheaper golf and all this other stuff. Yes. And because to them, it, the, it's influence. Do it's, they it's, think it's, in the back of yes. their head that they're going to be around always? Yes. And they're not sure if it's, you're going to be around. It's a hundred percent influence because the thing is those guys leaving would cause a ripple effect in their industry. I think... But and it's 10 not, of you guys leaving would cause well, the this same, is, if not worse. And so here, and here it comes into like the fold of what we've been talking about yeah. and kind of background is we are on... That's why it needs to become sort of an us-them yeah. scenario because we are on the cusp right now. We don't have the labor force. We don't have the tradesmen coming in. Everybody's talking about how I can charge whatever I want. Now would be a really great time for privatized guys to start really helping each other out and banding together and appointing a couple people that have a little bit of time on their hands to start looking at the legislation and looking at taxation and looking about how we can maybe create a better environment. Now, the thing is, the government, as soon as you start talking like this, their asshole puckers up really heavily because they think you're going to put your hands in their pockets and they're going to take something but out. But that's not what we're going to do. No, because what I want is, so let's talk about something called WSIB. I've been, I've reached out several times. Love isn't it funny? Like, okay, so isn't it funny that an insurance provider won't have an honest, transparent conversation with you? They can't. <laughs> they can't. Because legislation gets involved. Yeah. Yeah. And, or you can't, or you have to talk to adjudicator or an adjuster or Whoever something Whoever comes like on that. this show from WSIB will not be with WSIB after the show. No, they, they won't. <laughs> well, that's, that's what's going to happen. But so I did some, I've had an issue with it. You're Here's, not the only tradesperson. Yeah. I, and, and I know a lot of people have. So I, I did some research on this and I wanted to bring this up on the show. I know you and me have had our chats off mic about this type of thing, but basically just some background on them. So they were the WCB workers compensation board, yep. 97, 98 WCB gets disbanded. WCB comes into play. Um, there's probably just for austerity purposes, a number I was told hypothetically, whatever. Yes. A number I was told 18 mil bill in deficit, okay, when they got taken over and absorbed. Within two years, six mil bill surplus. How did that happen? Because they taxed everybody. You want to know what my rate was when I first started my business? How high are we? 14.7. Why were you so high? 
I was underneath dynamo explosions that for makes, masonry. That makes sense. When we came in and we asked why our rates are so high, they said, because your claim rate is really high in your industry. But that's not you. Doesn't matter. That's, that's how we're judged. Well, it's the same thing with motorcycle. When you're a kid in your 20s, you get yep. a motorcycle and you get your insurance. Yep. You're like, this is ridiculous. Well, the majority of kids your age are dying, accident, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the way that they sort of looked at us. And I go, but I'm a new company. Doesn't matter. That's the industry that you want to be in. Because Masons also were doing like waterproofing and trenching. Trenches were collapsing. A lot but of guys. Shouldn't there be different classifications within Masons? So this became a thing, right? So they were like, well, there's refractory masons, and then there's this mason, and then there's that mason. So like, but because you're a mason, you have the ability to do it's all. It's easier for them. Exactly. So And more financially. Yes. So then what happened, so that was 2013. By the way, in 97, 98, people were saying, do not do this because it's going to drive a massive underground economy, That's which it, it did. Exactly did. Which it did. Yeah. And they said, and WSIB fought that statement with saying, well, ensuring you guys makes you safer. I've talked to OSHA. I've talked to, I've been on oh, safety shit. committees. Oh, I've been, what makes a construction worker safer is training. Yeah. Period. Yeah. If you're going to stand on a pedestal of, of making workplaces safer, educate the worker. That, that is like in OSHA's like top two, yeah. like things that they're trying to instill in people. Okay, so fast forward to my company, 2013, um, and we're getting hit with 14.7%. That's a lot. Yeah, even if it wasn't that number, it was over 12, which is still asinine. And the thing is, I'm going, okay, as a small business, in like we're just coming out of that 08, 09 recession, how am I supposed to compete? Because you don't. So... We paid that for, I think, like two, three years. And then Doug Ford came in and then he kind of said, okay, we're going, what we're going to do is we're going to lower rates. Like you guys shouldn't be paying this. So my, my WSIB rate went actually from like over 12 down to four. And I was like, this is a, and, wow. and a workaround in my industry too. Yeah. Because masons go up scaffolds. That's the deal. They go up scaffolds and they go in holes. That's kind of the yeah. differentiation. But a lot of masons would just apply to be landscapers. Okay. Because you still work with stone, you still work with all the, all the material. That much. And then you're only paying 3%. Yeah. And I used to be like, well, why don't we just say we're a landscape company? And then it goes, well, the thing is, if you fall off a scaffold, you can't explain that to WSIB. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of... But there were guys who were doing it. Rooftop. Rooftop, exactly. <laughs> Rooftop terrace. Exactly. So so fast forward now. So we're competing in, in a dishonest industry. We're trying to be the honest guys, getting hit with exorbitant rates, right? Then we get dropped down to four, and I go, oh, thank God, right? Well, back to the gas scenario. Yeah. But then what happens, then what happens is I get ramped to seven. Out of nowhere. What? period of time we're talking about talking here. about a year maybe two so from three or four to seven yeah yeah back up to seven you uh, question yeah so okay. i go digging and i'm like why the jump i have no claims masons by the way masons are there's only 6800 bricklayers right now in canada in in ontario in ontario yeah like who's building <laughs> like like it, it's crazy to think like so you you mean to tell me that 
you know, the rate jumped 3%. How about sh them showing you all these claims? That's the thing. Well, half of them are, t this is the other thing. So they're too. telling you, they're telling us the claims, but yeah. show it to us. Exactly. Well, the thing is half of them aren't being answered. The regular rate, like when a claim gets brought to their desk, right? It can take up to, I think it's uh, 12 weeks to six months to be processed. And then there's three, there's the MOL, then there's the WSIB board, and then there's one other person that gets involved at the same time. And they like grill you. And if they can prove that you were acting in an unsafe manner, they won't cover you. So the thing is, while that claim is like, while that claim is being sort of dealt with for years and years and years and years, they're charging you as if the claim has already gone through. So what I'm hearing is that we don't need WSIB then because you have your own business insurance, your own builder's risk insurance, you have all kinds of stuff. So if something does happen, then that person is hurt, then they're covered that way exactly. and they don't need to go the route of WSIB. Exactly. So, so we get upped, I ask seven. why, okay. to seven. And what they did is instead of having like masons, carpenters, this and that, what they did is they made it alphabetized. So you get, you have classes A to H. And what happens is, is my class is G. And in G, it's carpenters, masons, all exterior finishings, aluminum, roofers, and everybody else. So what they were able to do is in my class, spread it across a bigger industry, low, like increase my rates, lower other people's rates, yeah. right? And now we're all painted with the same brush. Yeah, but you can't do that. No, and, and you shouldn't be able to do that. You shouldn't be able to do that, but it happened. And you know why it happened? Nobody tracked them. Everybody's in survival mode. And everybody and then when you what they said. And then when you wanted, like if I want to... And I've talked to WSIB. I've called them up and I've tried to ask them the gray area questions. I've tried to, you know, like if I take somebody on and then they leave me the next day, so I have to cover them for that one day. Yes. But everywhere else that I look, there's a probationary period. And I know people have gotten hurt on jobs and they're not covered because they're not in that envelope. The, it, peop the people that you were speaking to at WSIB, yep. when, when you were speaking to them, did you get the sense that they've ever been on the ground? No, uh, no. And, and the thing is too, when I actually, I actually went to a training course for WSIB, like one of the ones they offer at like a Fortino's or one of these, like, uh, like even like a venture X or, or something like that. Strawberry sandwich, and then <laughs> I, I don't know. You basically you <laughs> show up, and there's someone there to tell you what you are and what you're not doing well with WSIB and your claims thing. And they're what wearing sandals? Like yeah, what's going on? Here? Pretty much like the one that we had. She I can't was, take anybody who's not been dirty seriously she was a nurse me about dirty she was a nurse and i'm not shitting on nurses but i'm just saying in a room full of construction workers we're being told uh about uh like construction oh i want to hear it from a construction exactly person. and and i want to know and i want to hear it from like a business owner too yes so so we get bumped to seven and you know but again i'm kind of of the mind where i'm like oh thank god it's not you know 12, 12. right but again, it, that, it shouldn't be the case either because their rates actually don't correlate with the private insurance industry. So it's kind of like you still pay more in WSIB than you do for privatized insurance. It's not competitive. It's mandatory sense. and it's not competitive. But your private insurance is still covering any situation that happens. And because I don't believe, me personally, if you've had a claim go through and they've been great to deal with, fantastic. I'm sure they're ones that do their job well. I'm not completely dismissing the whole, whole organization 
but I personally don't believe enough in WSIB that I do have my own privatized insurance. Yeah, and you should. And and I think everybody should. Yeah. And for a very long time too, if you were an owner or a sole proprietor of a corporation, you couldn't actually claim WSIB. That was at the beginning stages. So it's take. So now, it's not all bad, because I recently opened up another window and I looked into it before we had this conversation. Because yeah. what they're now starting to do, right? is they're now starting to reform it 20 plus years later like 26 years later now they're starting to reform it so now what they're going to do is they're going to start offering training programs this is by the way this is scheduled for 2025 this isn't available right now uh, hey, listen, but at least if I can read that somebody actually put together a letter. Just in time for the construction ex- industry to have a massive slowdown because the mortgage industry is going to take a exactly. massive hit and history is going to be really bleak. Well, at least maybe if people have time on their hands, they'll go and get trained. Like, that's the other thing. I know it's a horrible thing to say, but. They're going to charge for it, aren't they? I I got to give both sides of the coin, right? The By the way, the training has actually gone down in price. You can get online fall arrest training right now for like 45 bucks. There's like online courses yeah. that are offered, which I like. So when we were talking about streamlining, they are doing certain things. It's a very slow process, but at least I can now go onto my phone. My argument is that yeah. if you got rid of WSIB, yep. the construction industry would be better. 100%. 100%. So if you get rid of something... Prices would go down yes. because you wouldn't be paying into it anymore. Yes. And then on top of that... here. You want to talk about economy stimulation for a second here? That's what would happen. Privatized insurance brokers would yes. then have to create packages for construction workers. Yes. And then and you would pay and for then, it. And I would pay for it. I already do. You would like to pay uh, for yeah, it. Yeah, I would like to pay for it. And then on top of that, the options would be better as well. Because if I never have a claim, I could nest egg that now. Yes. That would also be better. Because, because WSIB is already it, nest egging it. 100%. And what is their surplus now when they started okay. in a deficit? Okay, so you know how I was going to say, I got to say some good things about them. So they're doing the reform. They're going to do the training. They're talking about a two-tier system, which I firmly believe in. And I think that's, again, but it's going to move at the pace of the government. The one that I had, these last two, even though they're good points, I still really bite my tongue on. So there is a, I think they call it URL, which was unregulated liability insurance. So up until this point, if you got hurt and weren't covered by WSIB, they would pick up the tab. So then what's the point, point of anyone paying into it? Now, okay, that's what you and me think because, because we, we pay it. <laughs> and all the executives that are not boots on the ground are being paid with this nest egg. So here's the scenario that this would apply to. You know when those guys died on that scaffold, uh, on that swing stage? Yeah. And all of them are being paid cash? Yeah. Okay, so none of them would have been covered by WSIB. Their families would have been ruined. They were anyways because they passed away and they and they died. Yeah. But then what ends up happening is WSIB comes in and says, you know what, we're going to give you guys the full ride. I have an issue arguing with them about that. Even though based on their based on what how they treat us, that would mean that the whole industry ends up paying for it. But that I don't agree with. I yeah. And and that's going to but those are the scenarios okay, where but that so was coming. I, in all fairness, Mark, do you not think that those guys and I'm not dismissing, you know, mm-hmm. what happened or anything like that. 
they probably did not have any coverage or didn't do anything and they did it all cash because they're trying to avoid all these extra fees to run a proper business. Your competition. So it's like, you yeah, got clients, I'm going to hire someone much cheaper because they're charging so much. You've seen prices come in. You're like, then go with that person. And what I are th- they not doing? They're and not, I also they don't think have I also think that accountability is lost also on clients too. I think that if you had to produce a privatized insurance that shows its coverage, I think more clients would ask for so it. So if that situation happened, that insurance would have covered them. They would have been taken care of. And then exactly. we don't, so then that's why I still fault the BSIB with having to have a well, blanket again, for everybody. And it also sucks because their policing sucks. Because the thing is, it's like they aren't really showing up until until it's already oh, a I tragedy. I would love to get somebody from Divis. Yeah. Show, and uh, I mean, they'll get canned right after the show. <laughs> and then, so, but what they're doing now, what they're doing now is they're actually disbanding that. They're getting rid of that. Again, up until this point and 2025, so. What's the current, what's their, their, their little nest egg right now? Like last I heard the number was 4 billion or something like that. It's, it's something stupid. But the other thing too is that they've also put in here is, when the surplus hits 115 to 125%, that's when they'll start kicking you back. So whatever you put into it, once their nest egg hits this threshold, they'll give it back to you. But you got businesses that are actually on the verge of collapsing. I've had conversations. I've had guys reach out to me, tell me, listen, I'm getting a divorce and she's taking everything and I can't cover this. I have to bankrupt my business. Yeah. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. So like they're, they're forcing people to bankrupt their businesses. Mm-hmm. They're contributing. They're a contributing factor. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Because, because the entrepreneur is scary. Yeah, it is. The entrepreneur is scary. The way I, I've always preached this is like the entrepreneur sky's the limit. If you, actually rise and grind like everybody says and hustle and actually move and pick your opportunities and get into that mental resilience of nothing can hurt me and and just kind of we're we're stepping forward here guys when a problem comes at me it doesn't come from behind it comes from the face and i'm just current like just constantly going through those things making those connections going to the networking events trying to reach out coming on podcasts you know posting online and stuff like that if i'm doing all that I will see fruits of my labor. Of course. And the thing is, no one can tell me how far those are going to take me. And that's the scary thing because they don't know like how much you can actually make. (laughs) Is there a way that you guys, because I know GCs can get around WSIB. Yeah. Is there a way that you guys can get around? No, because I'm a corp. As soon as you become a corp, my business pays me. As soon as my business pays me, then WSIB sees my insurable earnings and they take their piece. Yeah. And the thing is, out of my overhead, I pay into my liability insurance as well. So it costs my company more money. So I pay two insurances for the same thing, knowing that one of them will take, and it's probably the private guys. Of it's course. not WSIB. And that, and just a an aside too, this is a bone to pick that I have with the industry. For the love of God, hmm. anybody who posts on Instagram, okay, Please post wearing your goddamn PPE. The amount of quick cuts I see of people cutting with no fucking mask, glasses, nothing. Okay. Let me tell you how this scenario goes. Your worker falls off a scaffold, cuts their toe, hurts themselves badly, breaks their back. The MOL will go on to your fucking Instagram account they they and they will say, see this? Yes. And they go, yeah. They say, 
Well, because of the dust kicking up from this fucking saw and your guy not having any proper mitigation, that's what caused him to go blind and fall off the scaffold. And we're not covering you. And I know your workers are like, oh, just drop me off around the corner. I'll say I did it at home or some bullshit like that. They will sue you. It turns up real quick when you pay into somebody and they don't want to pay you. And now you got to take care of, of this course. guy. Guys don't realize that. That is an absolute. CRA, MOL, WSIB. Everybody is watching your Instagram social feed. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. And, and they'll, so if, they'll find something. If you're po and, and know what? I'm not saying I've never. I'm not saying I'm the fucking bright, shining light of safety. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if you're going to put something out there online for all the public to see. At least put your best make foot an forward. Effort, make an effort. Because the thing is, that makes us all look bad. And here's the here's the even worse thing, too. If I go in with a claim now, and they have 90% of the masonry companies cutting without glasses, and I'm going in because I'm blind in one eye, they're going to make a case against me yeah. who wore safety glasses. So it's not about just you posting it for the gram. It's about the collective of us doing things. You know what I mean? So we all got to watch each other's back. Exactly. It's got to start becoming a sort of like an us against them again. And I also think that there needs to be a massive communication bridge between us and WSIB as to like what works, what's not working. Like right now, I can't say honestly that I can call them up and ask them questions and not be fearful of them coming and auditing me. Because that will happen. It will happen. Uh, by the way, I have been audited by WSIB. No, I have. And, and it happened within the first two years of our company. Yeah. And when they found out that they actually owed us money, I've never seen somebody run to their car so fast. It was, it was absolutely. Did you get the money? Yeah. Okay. They cut us a check. It of happened. Course, because they've got $4 billion. Oh, exactly. And, and the, the thing is, too, it was just a matter of like, it was a very stressful time for us. Like, because again, 14, like 12 to 14 points on WSIB. And then this sort of, thing where like when you actually start looking at it like they ask for all your financial records too so it's kind of one of these things where like it was not nice but you, th see that's i don't like them i don't like them and i don't think that we need them and i think that they should go and then i think all that money should be given back to all the tradespeople. and i think that we should insure ourselves and i think we should cover our own selves and talk about private i think it should go that route i think that you should i think the big guys like the really big guys, like the Pete, like don't. That's different you, because they're yeah. cowboys, right? Exactly. Well, the other thing too is I think that it works for guys like PCL, Ellis Don, um, you know, Heritage, Carillion, like these big guys, because in order for a company to take them on as an insurer, yeah, it would be too much of a risk. So I think that there should be threshold points. Well, it'd be too much of a risk if you're not paying attention to health and safety. So think about it this way. If all of a sudden you get rid of WSIB and you've got a corporation that's making the high rise or any kind of construction for that matter, and they have to get privatized insurance, then guess what? They're going to be serious about health and safety on the job site. You're going to have people on every single floor that is just going to be a health and safety inspector, making sure everybody is in safe mode. And I, and I do. Because that's they, not going on right now. Well, they do That's have, why. I do know that when we were on like the big sites, when I was with the union um, and we were on the Elliston and the PCL sites, they did have uh, safety officers and they were checking to make sure everybody was tied Every off. Every day? Yep. I was okay. on, I was on the committee. So 
the way I say it is my masonry career was vast. I was high and I was low. So I actually was one of the guys on the roof of the Bank of Montreal skyscraper right. yeah. going over the side of it, taking the piece of stone off. That was me. And right. I was also putting in the infrastructure so they could create the self-elevating platform and stuff like that. But you were being safe. You were properly tied off. The, the gear was all tied yep. off. Everything was all And done. we were having daily yeah. meetings yes. every day. What could we do that's so if better? So you prove that to yeah. a private organization that's yeah. going to cover you, and that private organization yeah. is auditing you on a daily, weekly basis, yeah. why do we need WSIB? We don't. It's basically, we've said this, I've said it, I'll continue saying, it's a mafia. It's a shakedown. It's just no different than hoodlums coming into the convenience store of a neighborhood saying you have to pay up our protection fee. Yeah. That's basically what WSIB yeah. is, and that's why I don't agree with it. Yeah, and... But where we're at now is, in a perfect world, they disband it and they get rid of it. But then they'd be letting go of all that money. And no, then, no, the money, you take every single person yeah. that's in construction. Yeah. And you give them equal shares or whatever. Yeah, but that would never, they'd never let that go. It's the right thing to well, do. No, the government, yeah. when you give them money, they'll never let it go. Mm -hmm. When they need to give you money, they take forever to yeah. give it to you. No, 100%. And they'll question why, how much to give to you. Yeah. I'm just saying that it was an entity that had an idea of righteousness. Yeah. But then it was corruptible at the same time. And you cannot feed corruption. Yeah. You have to eliminate corruption. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying is that get rid of it. I don't care. Like, no, it doesn't benefit or even anybody. Or even like disband it like you did the WCB and wrap it up in another package. But that's what they're trying to do right now with yeah. Tarion. And we know Tarion's pure corruption. Mm -hmm. So there's a, like, I don't know Tarion. Yeah. So. so there's like a bunch of stuff that's going on here. Like you can't, you can't continue these organizations because what it does is it, it makes people who honestly want to get into construction not want to get into no 100 and it makes people that are in construction that want to go on their own not want to go on their own and how can they with so many uh, people every, leave construction yeah. because of these stupid things yeah but yet the above the line fat cat executives are dipping into these pools of money that it's it's a numbers game i had a friend of mine who was talking about china mm. china whatever you can argue because they've been lying about their population numbers yeah. and all this other shit you can argue it's 1.5 billion people yeah, yeah. whatever right so he actually gave me an interesting analogy where he was talking about, he goes, listen, all you got to do is come up with a product that will be sold to a small town in China. A small town in China is bigger than Toronto. Yeah. So if you come up with a product and you sell it to 2.8 million people, you're profitable. You're a massive company at that point. Mm -hmm. It's not you're trying to sell it to 1.5. Yep. WSIB looks at the 1.4 million tradespeople that are working in this industry, in this country right now, and they're taking a piece of every single one of them, whether that's a dollar or $10 or whatever it is, and they get $4 billion. And that's how they look at it. So they basically profit analyze, analyze it and go, we have this much money coming in because we have this many workers coming in. Get rid of that shit. It's done. It makes we you, have the power to tell them to get rid of it. Yeah, and it, it just basically makes you like ask the question, like with a country that has such a debt and all and and all that other stuff that we keep on hearing about. That's a whole it's like, other. Are world. are they? But would would you let go of a cash cow like that? Not, but the thing is, government. So it it's like we know this. They're not. We don't work for them. Yeah. They work for us. I think the reason why we're so heated about this currently is because right now we know that there is a shortage of tradesmen. People are pushing the labor force forward. A lot of politicians are saying we back the workers and we're sitting here going, okay, while you're on the ground saying all these things, this could really help us. And not only could it help us, I really do believe that if you moved it 
to the private sector of insurance, let's just give it a threshold of anything under 10 guys. And people are like, oh, well, then, you know, every company will say that they're under 10 guys. No, because if you hit 10 guys, you're going to go to 20. Yeah. Like the exponential growth is there. So it's kind of like you want to stimulate the economy and create really good, high paying jobs. Do you know how much the insurance industry, like actually like who they pay? They have underwriters, they have legals, they have all kinds of stuff. Like you would stimulate the economy in a mass scale because guess what? Most of the guys that work in this industry right now just got a raise and the entrenchment pricing is causing it to go higher. So it would really bet. And guess what? At the end of the day too, the government, you get the tax. Yeah. You get the tax yeah. off of all that. So you're, so you're not even going to lose a piece of the pie. You're getting more income tax. You're getting more HST tax. You're getting all kinds of stuff. So there's they have to look at that. Exactly. But the moment that you want to dismantle the CIA, yeah, you, people I, get their heads cut I off. I don't want I don't want to see I would like to like in a perfect world, WSIB wouldn't exist and we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah. But because of the situation that we're in now, we have to kind of bite the reality that is and we have to say, "Okay, Let's not disband WSIB. Let's keep it because it makes you money. Let's just be real here. It makes you guys, it yeah. makes the government money. It's not about health and safety. It's not about health and safety. It makes you guys fucking money. It's yeah. a tax on a tax, yeah, okay? that's all that is. But if we're looking at the biggest recession happening in the next couple of things, how about we lower these rates to be more competitive or stimulate more of the economy and just give a piece of this to all these other guys, you're still going to get that tax money back. It's still a win for you. To avoid what's potentially going to happen. Exactly. It's going to happen if you continue down this road. Guys, exactly. are the underground is going to continue. This is what we've all been talking about on this show here. you got immigrants coming in. They're going to undercharge everybody. Yeah. Everybody. And by the way, you're also assuming that the million that we're taking in, even if we took every million of the immigration population populace that we're supposed to be taking in the next two years and they all went to trades it still wouldn't be enough no it's not it still wouldn't be enough plus how many of them would be underground because of the system that's set up yep. right now exactly because you you have people avoiding this because there's no incentive for them to pay into it, it and the thing is i've talked to guys that avoid wsib and they are they honestly believe it's like why would i get into the bed with the government like they're view of you is like you're like the devil <laughs> like they they want to avoid you like the plague They're and the thing wrong. is if they just incentivized it properly i go back to i go back like that's that's what i think we should be looking at isn't so much about how we can get rid of it altogether but how you can give me value so then i can grow my business exactly i can get more sales going on i can market myself i can get more projects i can charge more tax you guys can collect more tax i can make more money you guys can collect more income tax i don't want to take it from you i just want to be able to live yeah that's survive. the way that, but right now yeah. people aren't even living they're surviving exactly and that's and that's kind of the way i say it is like you know you can survive but i want to prosper and that's the thing is if you're going to give yourself to construction and break your back and break your body and do all that type of stuff, you want something to show for it at the end of the day. And speaking of, if you do keep WSIB, it's never going to go away because it's a cash cow. It's a massive cash cow. You never see that, that huge bowl or whatever. Yeah, that, yeah, all the yeah. Muscles on it is like roid yeah. and shit. That's WSIB. The, the thing is that there should be a part of that whole organization that when you do retire as a tradesperson, you get a big check, like lottery size check for all your efforts in working in construction because your body's broke mm -hmm. and you need 
to live yeah. at that point. Well, but that'll never happen. Either. So Australia did this. They, yeah, they do that. They, they do that now where it's like if you don't have a claim throughout your whole business career, you get a percentage, you get a of, percentage it of it back. Which and is smart. Exactly. Like and right now, the most amount of construction that's going on in the world, right? Australia is one of their, their top five. And the thing is, I would like, to, like, I would like to see us adopt that sort of model. Why isn't our Canadian stupid government paying attention to other governments and what they're doing? Exactly. Canada's construction industry could be ten times what it is right now. Yeah. And then we wouldn't have a labor shortage. No. And then we would invite more people to come to this country, contribute. And then what does that do, Mark? That creates more tax that they have to pay, exactly, which gives it to the government, so then they can waste it on other stupid entities. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we covered quite a bit. We got to wrap it up. We, is there anything that we missed or what? No, I think just like four key points of the entrepreneurship thing. Yeah, which is great. Getting into the WSIB. Um, getting out of the WSIB. Yeah, getting out of the WSIB. I'm glad to see that they're reforming it. I'm glad to see that they're actually doing it. I know like I roll my eyes too at it, but at the same time, I think maybe we can use this as a step up. Start looking into your WSIB. Start looking into the, what they're Question doing. Questioning them. Questioning have them. Conversation give them, them the call. I would really like to have an open conversation with them. I would love to, like, you call them up and you ask the person you're speaking to, what's your construction experience? I don't even think you got to go that far because I think you can just go, I'm dealing with this scenario and I need, I need answers for this. And just think of hypothetical scenarios that you can do. When I called them and I discussed some of these things, um, they basically, I would hit the stone wall of, well, you have to talk to your MP, and then they would have to think about rewriting some sort of legislation. How many times I try to actually contact an MP and how it long it takes, and it's just ridiculous. And these are public servants that are supposed to be accessible to the public. And the thing is, it's kind of like the Monty thing that we talk about at the same time, where it's like, they're saying that there's this labor shortage and they want to be for construction workers, but they're probably surviving too in the sense that there's also a lot of other things on their plate. But if that's the case and you're too busy, then appoint somebody that can act. I think it's, I think it's that. a lot simpler than that. I think that there's mounds of money that come into different organizations for the government that are associated with different organizations across Canada and also industries, not just construction. And everybody, just like we talked about the kids, they want what they you guys had 10 years from now. They want it now. The government don't give a shit about the construction industry 10 years from now. They want that money now. Mm -hmm. That's what they care about. So the money's there. The pile's there. And Jimmy Connie, Conway, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? They, they're like Ray Liotta. Like yeah. they're, they're all in that same yeah. pool. They're going, here you go. Here <laughs> you go. Out the here window. you go. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's all they're doing. I'm sorry, but that's exactly what they're doing. So the money's there and I'm going to take my piece of the pie right now. I don't care about the industry 10 years from now. And the thing is, I think that what we're seeing is that kind of what that mentality has caused now. Because, and the thing is, well, we see the car crash and nobody is stopping to help. Again, like I said before, the house is on fire yeah, and I'm thing. giving you insurance on it. Like same it's thing. the same, it's I the know. same concept. Um, so I, I don't know if there's any solutions. I'm happy to see the reform in the WSIB. When I started digging, yeah. I was actually happy to see them actually at least bringing it to the table to talk about. Of course. Um, I think the, the 25, 26, 27, hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be really, really tough on a lot of people. And I think that you're going to need to find some way to stimulate more money into the driving economies Prepare. and construction continues Prepare to be one it. of those. You want to do these 12 questions again? 
Sure, why not? I, I don't, don't know, know if anything's changed. Maybe they changed change or something. Like I don't. That. I don't think anything's changed. We'll do it. We'll do it again. Yeah, Mark. Mark uh, from Craig Moore. What's the, it's Craig Moore underscore? Yeah, Craig Moore underscore construction, construction on, yeah. I, on IG there. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite construction word? I've been using sweet action a lot these days. Sweet action. Sweet action. I like that. It sounds like a, a superhero from a black exploitation <laughs> film, man. It's like when it hits plum, you're like sweet action. Watch out. Like, Was that sweet back. action? Yeah. What is your least favorite construction word? My least favorite construction word is when I hear somebody else say fuck, like under their breath, like when they're like, fuck. I'm like, in my head, I automatically like, what have they done what's now? <laughs> like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What turns you on in construction? Um, lately, I would say like the corners of stone walls. So like you can lay natural stone a certain way, but like when guys know how to chisel like that really nice sharp corner, that that's like, that's something I look nice. for nice. and it looks really nice. Yeah. What turns you off in construction? Seeing those jagged ass stone things and 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 looking at a stone wall and it being like, did they even face that? Like, it just yeah. Favorite curse word, fuck, has to be favorite vehicle in the entire world. Favorite vehicle in the entire world, uh, actually, you know what? A Ford F two fifty, two fifty, a two fifty, a big. It's not just a regular one, like you know, crew cab. I I don't know. I just a sports car doesn't make sense in Canada. It's just tell that to all the owners. I know, Least right? favorite vehicle. Um, it's got to be those fucking e bikes, man. Oh, the ones when they dress them up like to be like a real bike, but the pedals are still kicking. Up. I can't do that. Construction sound or noise? Do you love? Um, these days, uh, the rev up of like the cordless Bosch hammer. The rev up. Yeah. So like when you hit it, it doesn't just go directly into it. It kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Construction sound, uh, construction sound or noise? Do you hate um, the multi tool? <laughs> the multi tool has got to be the worst. Dewalt. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I think I'll probably. I think I do want to get into project management at one at some point. some point. So I will. I will definitely go that route. I think. What profession would you not like to do? Um. The uh, the the septic diver guys, I think that would be pretty nasty. <laughs> uh, last question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here, Mark? Always a blast to see you, man. Yeah, Thanks so much, bro. That too, was buddy. actually a great conversation, man. It's just like we touched upon a lot. I'm sure a lot of people are listening. They're gonna like, fuck. That's right. It's true. It's true. We need to do something. I, I man. want. I want to turn it into one of these things that you know. Every single one that we've done so far, it's always allotted to something that's happened. Yeah. So we talked about stigmas. People started looking at construction differently. We talked about labor shortage, and it happened. And that's what people have come up to me. And they're like, "Oh, I listened to your podcast." And by yeah. the way, you were right. All we're <laughs> all we're doing though is pushing all the politicians further and further away from coming on the mic. Yeah, but because you know they're what? like, "Wait a minute." Okay, so. <laughs> Just one last note then. Let's try to figure out how we can create this conversation because obviously this is having an effect on our industry. This is having an effect on our businesses. And the thing is we don't we don't want what you guys are taking from us. We want value for the money. Yeah. And we want to just be able to make the living that simple. we need. That's it's it. So simple. That's it. And the thing is you need us right now. And what we're doing is we're not 
we don't want to be offensive. We're just extending the olive branch. Yeah. And I don't know how many times I got to prod you in the head with it before I start whacking you over the shoulders with it. But let's just try to keep that in mind. See what happens. We'll see what happens, yeah. man. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Angelina, man. we're out of here.